this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. America loves its cars in general, but American pop culture has actually made stars out of some of its most iconic wheels. Over the decades, a slew of cars, trucks, vans, and more have made a profound impact on film and television viewers, achieving literal legend status despite being, you know, cars. Now the great pop culture debate wants to determine the best pop culture car of all time. Like the blue stair car, I'm also built for random hop-ons. I'm your host, Eric Resniak. Please welcome my panel for this episode. Our next panelist, he's thinking of getting a Tercel. It's Bob Erlenbeck. Yeah, that's a Toyota. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, he's taking us back to Funky Town the only way he knows how. In a DeLorean going 88 miles per hour, it's Derek Makita. We had a conversion done in 1978. Now the flux capacitor runs purely on cocaine, Eric. Mm, well, in that case, toot toot. Beep beep. Ah ah. All right. Often referred to as a love bug, it's Jim Zadzik. I'd rather that than a Wienerville wheel. Mm, that makes me want a hot dog real bad. <laughs> and finally, her name is Buck, and she's here to party. It's Carissa Claus. Yes, you should see my custom keychain. Ooh, you can pull up to my bumper anytime, Carissa. <laughs> Before we get to the debate, how does this work? We made a poll of just about every iconic car from film, TV, and pop culture we could think of. More than 30 people took the poll. We tallied their votes, ranked the picks by popularity, and added them to a bracket. Now we argue about it and insult each other, all for your amusement. Want to play along at home? You can. Head to greatpopculturedebate.com and go to polls and brackets. There you'll find the downloadable listener brackets for this and every episode of our little show. Do your picks match up with ours? Do you think our podcasting licenses should be revoked? Let us know by dropping a comment on this episode at our website or by yelling at us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. And lastly, if you're curious about how we went from the top 32 down to the sweet 16, become a Patreon supporter of our podcast. Our Patreons at the $5 level or higher get exclusive access to the warm-up slash part ones for each episode in which we work our way through all of round one. It's like a whole bonus episode for each topic and includes arguments you won't hear anywhere else. And it's only one of our great Patreon perks, so consider supporting us on Patreon today. I will say the, uh, the warm-up for this episode was hysterical um this is i don't think the stakes have ever been lower in the history of the great maybe best crayola color but um like we were just ragging on each other and having a really fun kiki about like stupid stupid stuff so um i'm hoping we continue that trend into round two it was a lot of fun if you're not a patreon supporter I highly encourage you. The, the part ones are a, are a hoot. So, And with that out of the way, let's kick off these debates. First, another unanimous victory for our ultimate number one seed, the Mystery Machine from Scooby-Doo, which pulled the plug on the four-seed electric mayhem bus from the Muppets. That being said, Bob, you did want to say something about the mayhem bus. Yeah, we made a lot of arguments in round one for the electric mayhem to, to get it into round two. But the one argument I think that we 
really missed, I think we are remiss for not mentioning, was that in the 80s, Pizza Hut and Pepsi had a promotion where you could get um, glasses from the from Pizza Hut, and the Electric Mayhem was one of the one of the cups um, that you could get from Pizza Hut. So I thought that that was really one of the things about the the Electric Mayhem that we missed in round one. Love that. These <clears throat> children talk. will never know how amazing it was to go to like mcdonald's and get ewok mugs Mm -hmm. or the beauty and the beast plastic or not beauty and the beast like the disney animated tumblers yeah like remember the glasses the the back to the future glasses you could get from pizza hut where (laughs) where back to the future part two was like all the the futuristic sunglasses that you could get someone write down for me we need to do a nostalgia episode about the best like swag food and restaurant giveaways pop culture giveaways because absolutely those were like major when we were growing up and i don't even know if they do that anymore i mean to say nothing of the beanie baby craze at mcdonald's right jesus but that's like but then you verge into like happy meal toy territory right because yeah exactly like because then you have to talk about those mcdonald's transformers guys you know like the fries and the you know what i'm talking about how could you bring up transformers (laughs) so cruelly (laughs) optimus prime got denied in round one of this debate carissa i know and i didn't vote for him so cruelty cruelty but uh we will we will make that happen at some point i think it's going to be a great one but with that being said next it looks like two seed grease lightning from greece is about to be run off the road by six seed wagon queen family truckster from national lampoon's vacation i will argue why we need to keep talking yeah keep talking about grease lightning bob why does the griswold truckster deserve to keep going miles in this bracket and i'll have bob go first so I had picked Grease Lightning to go through from round one into round two. Um, but at this point, I now need to switch over to the Wagon Queen family truckster. Because to me, this is the most relatable vehicle um, on this entire bracket. It represents everyone's nightmare scenario. And that is the misery <laughs> of piling into a car with your family and driving across country to go to an amusement park that will... <laughs> drain you of every dollar in your bank account. I can't think of something more American, more relatable, more absolutely iconic than that. It is so relatable. It is so identifiable as a family vehicle. It is, um, as we talked about in round one, it is the absolute representation of the biggest joke of a station wagon it's what you think of when you think station wagon that in your mind is what you conjure up is a vehicle looking as ridiculous as the wagon queen um family truckster um <laughs> in, in my family and i will have to assume in others because i'm gonna say that my family is just like every other family we say things like let's all pile in the family truckster and let's go right like it is something that has withstood the test of time it has continued on to be relevant and um, relatable today. Um, and you know, in the, in the vacation remake movie a few years ago, you know, that piece of junk that it was, but there was a car in that as well called the Tartan Prancer because they, they tried to recreate the, the wagon queen moment, um, the family truckster moment, and they just couldn't do it, but they, they know that there's something about this, this iconic thing of being in a car with your family wanting to just, 
kill yourself as you're driving. <laughs> Not just the dog that's attached to your bumper or the oh, on your roof of your car. Um, you just you just want to kill yourself. So um yeah that's where i am with the family truckster i love grease lightning but it's it's not something that is relatable to the everyday person even though it has a song about it <laughs> so well yeah well there's a popular song holiday road from <laughs> that's about the wagon queen <laughs> and that's written by mr kenneth loggins and i can never besmirch his name oh but my God. like for me like i just don't see what you like you actually did a very good job rhapsodizing this because literally like my notes are like what are you seeing in this car that I'm not <laughs> seeing? Because in the immortal words of Vicki Gunvalson, it's a little family van. Like, <laughs> we all had that car or something very close to it. And I rode in it for years, burned my tender thighs on the summer scorched Naga hide. And you know what I never got to ride in? Grease Lightning. You know what have made me cool? Grease Lightning. It's a car that made chicks cream, I'm told. <laughs> so, like, I just... Um, I, I get where you're saying that uh, the truckster is relatable, but I don't watch pop culture for relatable. I watch pop culture for escape. And Grease Lightning is not only a stunning piece of machinery and a sterling symbol for that 1950s American car culture, but it's also the subject of one of the greatest all-male song and dance numbers in modern popular <laughs> cinema. That sequence is so dazzling and hypnotic that I didn't even notice for like the first couple of times I watched it that midway through the song, everyone is wearing completely different clothes. And then there's a totally different car. Like it, I was too transfixed by the dancing, the gleaming car, and the aggressively horny male energy. So um, you could say, well, yeah, but that's not the car itself. Okay, but the car itself is absolutely integral to the last act of the film. It provides the conflict, it provides the hero moment and the turning point for Danny, and it provides a thrilling chase sequence. It's a quintessential pop culture car, and at least it has a proper name, unlike the Griswold car, which is just the name the of wagon the queen family truckster. But that like, yeah. like a brand. That's not like it's not like we we've it's the Griswold's Wagon Queen family truckster. <laughs> it, we, you know, when we talk about rubrics, right, is it is it integral to the plot? I would say you're making the argument, obviously, Grease Lightning is integral to a really the second third or, or second half of that second third, <laughs> the, the last third or second half of that film. Um, I would say that the Wagon Queen is integral to the plot of the entire movie. Um, you know, it is what continues to propel these characters forward in their story. It is the it is repeatedly um it repeatedly becomes its own character of different moments where they where they run into the the sign and all the luggage flies off the grandmother on the roof i mentioned like there are just so many iconic moments of just this car there's really one well i guess maybe two because of the end of greece right there's those two major moments of the song in the end where it goes flying where there are those iconic moments of greece lightning but this you know this car is integral to to the plot beginning to end of that film um and who doesn't want to sit in the way back of the station wagon? <laughs> I, I guess maybe part of it is I'm just triggered from sitting in the back. And it was, I mean, we did have station wagons until we graduated to minivans. But Bob, you were there. You know what would happen when we would go on trips when my father would we be driving. Did he or did he not used to stick his hand down my mother's blouse while you were in the car? <gasps> oh. Do you remember I, I may have 
blacked that blacked out. That out. <laughs> I don't blame you. Like, uh, to and from the, the the Sterling Renaissance Fair or Enchanted Forest Water Safari, where the fun never stops. Or Darien Lake. Yeah, I guess maybe towards the end we would go to Darien Lake, but uh, I don't know. Um, Carissa, where are you on this? I'm with the Wagon Queen family drugstore, and I love that Bob uh, wove such a love story about it he because did. I thought I might have been on an island in round one when mm. I was weaving mine. No, he did a very good job <laughs> proselytizing for that car. Yeah. Derek? Um, I am still with Greased Lightning here. Thank you. Thank you for seeing reason in the madness, Jim. <laughs> Um, Eric, you, you could have possibly swayed me. However, I, I didn't say this before we hit record, but I am currently recording in our family van right now <laughs> while, we're on, while, we're on, while we're on vacation. So as Bob's describing what he's describing, I'm sitting around looking around thinking, okay, yeah, I think my, my vote has to be for the family truckster. Uh, well, first of all, I'm terribly sorry that we made you sit in a van for. Uh, I think down by the river. Down by the river. On the list. I'm pretty sure in most states it's illegal for podcasters to be left stuck in cars with their windows rolled up. So I hope that your owner has at least cracked them so you can breathe. All right, I guess the truckster's continuing to round three. God help us. Uh, I, Grease Lightning is out. I cannot believe it. Next, it's a split decision between five-seat Herbie the Love Bug and one-seat Kit from Knight Rider. Carissa, why are you still smitten by the Love Bug? I will consult with Michael Knight and provide the best data for Kit. And Carissa, why don't you go first? So I talked about this a little bit in round one, but I'm not intimately familiar with Kit from Knight Rider. Maybe that's not the right phrase. Uh, I didn't spend a lot of time watching um, Knight Rider. I w I'm aware of it and all the things, but what I did spend time watching several different uh, tellings, sequels, storylines of was Herbie the Love Bug. Herbie is a sentient anthropomorphic car, which is a V a 1963 VW Beetle. It's kind of like a cream color and it has red, white, and blue stripes from like nose to tail. Um, he has a mind of its own and really likes auto racing is usually at a top contender in auto races. Um, and through the storylines and spending time with Herbie, um, it's also revealed that there are other sentient things in the world. So as a kid, it's kind of like taps that, that thing that you always have that, um, when you leave your room, your stuffed animals maybe hang out and like have a tea party or something, you know, um, that cars actually have a mind and, um, ability of their own. And, um, and Herbie is also super lovable. So, um, Herbie gets my vote here. Okay. And, and Herbie is lovable and he's been around for decades. Like, mm -hmm. wasn't there a Lindsay Lohan reboot? Am I crazy? Yes, there was. Fully loaded. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, so Justin Long was also in it. Oh, God yeah. bless. Uh, Kit has been around for decades, but not in the same way. Um, so Kit is firmly to me in the 80s. But 
the primary argument for him is that he was so effing cool in the 80s. He's a Pontiac Firebird Trans Am, which Bob was 100% dragging in round one. It's a He's Pontiac. a Pontiac Trans Am. I thought it was a very cool car. Um, and he's got a light under the hood that makes it look like he could be a Cylon, but he's a good guy. And he was voiced by Mr. Feeney, although we didn't know him as Mr. Feeney at the time. And he fought crime with David Hasselhoff wearing a very cool leather jacket. Cool AF. I personally had forgotten that there was a 2008 reboot of Knight Rider in which a new kit, this time now the Knight Industries 3000, no longer the Knight Industries 2000, was voiced by none other than Val Kilmer. And that kit was a bit of a tryhard as it used nanotechnology to change colors and morph into other forms. The real kit did not need any of those bells and whistles. I will also argue that Kit is so cool, he had his own arch nemesis, car night automated roving robot you know you are an iconic pop culture car when you have an evil version of yourself voiced by i kid you not the man who voiced optimus prime once again justice for optimus prime (laughs) i'm gonna put it to a vote uh bob are you on this one i think oh i can you come back around i i can jim where are you herbie to the final four Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I, I am still with Kit. I just think it's like, I, I get the argument for her be the love bug, but Kit is just so damn cool. I love cool. it. So Bob, where are you coming down here? I am going to go with her be the love bug. Woo-hoo. Thank God. <laughs> I was going to have to remind you of some of your thoughts around round one. If you didn't, <laughs> Scorched Earth. What were you even repping? I don't even remember. Mach five. It was the Mach five. Okay. He was scor- he was coming hard for Derek on that one. So it would be a little. T- if you had swished, it would have been like next level. I don't know survival survivor betrayal. <laughs> like I just. Um, yeah. For those of you who missed it, when he was repping Mach five, he was talking. He was waxing poetic about it, like it was Pee Wee Herman's bicycle. <laughs> Here's the thing about Herbie: is is he's sentient? He's alive. Number just like number five is alive, and he doesn't he doesn't need a computer in him to to be alive or to be cool. He's just cool because he is who he is. He's Herbie's doing doing Herbie in, in these movies. Oh, yeah. So, so now it's really cool control to be him. Alive. He's just, what's that? Now it's cool for a car to be alive, but not Optimus Prime. <laughs> Optimus, Pro- Optimus Prime is not a car. He is a robot. He is a transforming robot that happens to have one transformation in a car. That is ridiculous. He is, he is as much of a car as he's a man. Men becoming cars, cars becoming wolves. I'd like to point out to the listener right now that Optimus Prime went out in round one, but I'm we're still, still talking about it. I'm still not over it. But with that being said, now you're taking Kit, another cool 80s car, out of this. Fine, Herbie will continue. <laughs> the overwhelming majority of the panel continues to have an appetite for two-seed, the Oscar Wire Meyer Wienermobile, but Bob thinks six-seed Batmobile from the Burton films is the Wayne attraction. Bob, bring your argument out of the Batcave and onto Gotham Streets. Derek, say ah for the Wienermobile, and I'll have... <laughs> mm, Derek, go first. Who? Oh my god. Derek. Did okay. I say Derek? Okay. <laughs> so, oh, open 
wide because here it comes. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is a pick that straddles that line between pop culture and something from the American cultural zeitgeist. Um, as we've we've established, the the very first Wienermobile was created all the way back in 1936, which makes it one of the longest reigning pop culture car entries in all of these brackets. Um, there have been several versions of this vehicle over the decades, but I dare you to find an American alive who can't recognize it immediately upon seeing it. Um, it's one of those rare entries in these brackets that still logs thousands of miles on American roads to this day, and it brings smiles wherever it goes. Or if you're Bob, it brings scoffs and walkaways. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. There have been a very few stretches of time where the fleet of Wienermobiles has been retired, but popular demand and frankly, marketing potential has always seen a new generation of wieners roll out of their assembly shops and into the hearts of hot dog loving Americans everywhere. Um, it's a true piece of untarnished Americana that has stood the time of generations and will likely be with us for many years to come. So like from, from that perspective, like there are, you know, some entries in these brackets that are kind of questionable as far as like how we should be thinking about them now. But like, mm. It's the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. What is not to love about this? Exactly. So, but but do you know what hot dogs are made out of? I don't. I don't but Bob, I'm sure is going to tell us. <laughs> you don't want to know Full how the sauce nitrates. Mm, nitrates. Bob, talk to me about the Batmobile. So, Derek, in fairness. I can't imagine anyone. It's a big hot dog on wheels. I can't imagine anyone looking at that car and going, "Oh, that must be the Johnsonville Bratmobile or something." <laughs> like that. Like, you're like, "Oh, anyone's, anybody down the street's going to recognize it." Yeah, you're going to fucking recognize it. It's a fucking hot dog. Like, what else could it possibly well, I mean, be? If you park it in Coney Island, is it all of a sudden the Nathan's Mobile? No, it's the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile. Nathan's wishes. Oscar Mayer on the side of it. <laughs> so there's not a lot of mistaking that. Yeah, you know what it is. Exactly. And we're talking about Oscar Mayer wieners right now. Like, it works. It works. Keep your wieners away from my face. <laughs> we, need, we need a great pop culture debate, Wienermobile. That's what we need. Oh, my God. So, about the Batmobile, this is the best for me. This is my favorite Batmobile. I think it. when we talked about in the previous round about Kit being cool, it is a cool car, this Batmobile. Um, this is the one from the, um, the Tim Burton movies. And that Tim, like, let's talk about the, the movie for just a second. That Batman, that Tim Burton's Batman movie was so such a change for just superhero and that that whole movie genre in general. He really started to define something new. And this Batmobile in this movie is just as cool as the bat signal or the bat symbol. It is just as iconic as that. People will look at that car and know exactly what that is and where it's from. It has been in the Smithsonian. I've seen it. I've touched it. I've been... I, I didn't get inside it because you couldn't, but um, it is absolutely something that is so important that it, it needs to be at the Smithsonian. It is so important to American history and American culture that it needs to be there. Um, I didn't see an Oscar Mayer Wienermobile at the Smith American History Museum the last time I was there, but maybe someday it'll get its flowers. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But this car is, like I said, it's almost as symbolic as just the Batman symbol itself. Um, just how cool and sleek and very, very, very fun and cool this car is. Um, I, I just think that it's over when we talk about, you know, arguing what's a cooler car. Batmobile is going to be a cooler car. Um, I, I'd rather have a, a weenie whistle than to see the Wienermobile. But 
Um, I mean, I, okay. Okay. to your argument about the American History Museum, I do actually think that the Oscar Mayer, it would not surprise me at all to find the Wiener Mobile in the, yeah. in the American mm-hmm. History Museum. Like, it is Americana, in my opinion. In my opinion. Uh, Chris, where are you on this one? I'm with the Wiener Mobile, and uh, despite Bob's, um, I live in D.C., I go to the Smithsonian flexing, <laughs> which is what it is. Don't come and find me. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so you are going for the Wiener Mobile? Yes, I am. Jim. Even though the Batmobile was my one and only model car kit that I purchased and it finished, um, I, I still think that uh, that we you know my, my vote needs to go for the Oscar Mayer mobile. I think there's it's got more time on this bracket. I'd like to see the Wiener Mobile go up against something else. Um, I this one is harder for me than the previous matchup for the Wienermobile. Um, I think I may have even voted for the Bantmobile here initially, but it doesn't matter because it's three votes for Oscar. And it, even if I voted for Batmobile, it would be two. I will say that um, what I love about this Batmobile is how ridiculous it is. Like it has a jet engine and it has like a, the, the foot underneath that like can go down and pick up the car and make it turn a complete 180 degrees. It's got like grappling hooks and, and machine guns on the side. It's just, it's, it's absurd. Um, but does it sell hot dogs? No, it does not. And so for that reason, it could cook hot dogs. It could. It did have a CD player. I will say that. (laughs) On repeat over and over again. Um, But you couldn't be eating hot dogs while doing it because, you know, Bruce Wayne is not going to let you eat in that thing. Did it have a remote control that would make the car come to you? The, bla- the Wienermobile? It may. I don't know. Maybe you just wave a bottle of relish or grape pond. <laughs> that was a thing in the 90s. Pardon me. It's true. It's true. <laughs> All right. So the Wienermobile advances next to unanimous decision for one seed Doc Brown's DeLorean from Back to the Future, which totaled the 1967 Cadillac DeVille convertible from Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar, a five seed. The majority of the panel is with Miss Frizzle and two seed the Magic School Bus, but Bob is feeling a little bit country and prefers three seed the general lee from dukes of hazard bob why should the general lee blaze a trail to round three jim work your magic for the school bus i'll have jim go first all right so it's the magic school bus versus the confederate flag i mean the general lee you're doing so you know it's a high-tech sentient anthropomorphic i can't say the word uh school bus with magic wear that the frizzles use uh the whole class uses to go on field trips it is the show the magic school bus is their their method of transportation but it's so much more it's often piloted by miss frizzle or her sister in the new reboot um it also at sometimes the kids would take the wheel or it might change shape such as an animal that allows it to drive itself um it could travel on land water through air deep space able to change size and shape it took them anywhere so we could all learn together with the mad with the kids on the magic school bus Mm, it's interesting um i know another car that can transform and I'm I'm not gonna go there. Sound wave? Uh, don't you dare. Oh <laughs> don't bring Morton, him into this. Mr. Morton, you hop back in that salt box. <laughs> uh, all right. So, train. Bob, talk to me about the uh generally, please. 
Fuck the General Lee. I'm picking the Magic <laughs> School. <laughs> uh, is anyone voting for the General Lee? Nope. No. No. Yeah. Uh, it, it advanced. It, it served its purpose. It's done. It's dead to us all. Thank Just you. like the Confederacy. All right. So yes. there you go. Uh, so the Magic School bus will continue. The vast majority of the panel wants to keep it spooky by rolling with the one seed Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters, but I want to roll back the odometer and keep four seed Cameron's dad's Ferrari from Ferris Bueller's Day Off in vintage condition. Carissa, argue on why we should take Ecto-1 to the other side. I'll try to keep Ferris's Ferrari from flying off a cliff. And um, I think I'm going out here, so is anyone... So why don't... Yeah, why don't you talk about why Cameron's dad's Ferrari is so cool? Yeah. So for me... um, as a huge fan of this movie as a kid, I continue, I find it less charming now as an adult. I'm like, you know, he really is a little shit. Um, <laughs> but that ride is a sweet ride. And you completely get why, like, Ferris is trying to get his really stuck up, and, and stuck up is not the right word. The um, Uptight. Uptight, thank you. Friend to, like, loosen up and enjoy life because he's so stressed out. And he takes his dad's, like, prized car possession. And this is some real white, upper-class Chicago suburbs nonsense, right? Out mm-hmm. for a day on the town, and he promises them nothing's going to go wrong. And then I learned a lot about cars from watching this movie as a kid. And like number one, you cannot roll the miles back by having a car go in reverse for hours on a cinder block. Number two, never trust a parking garage attendant with your sweet ride. And number three, I actually don't have anything else other than like it is lit. Like I'm not a car person, but that was a beautiful car, so I get it. I get. And you can ride a parade float that's sing donka shane and then pretend to be a proman the sausage king of chicago so Mm -hmm. those are my arguments for that car it is iconic in that film it's important to the film but is it a better pick than ecto-1 i don't even think that's true is anyone voting for the cadillac uh bob no, I'm going to vote for the Ecto-1, but you're right. That That is a sexy car. And when it goes, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, you look at that car and you think, oh, yeah. yeah. Like that's when they, yeah. Yep. And Cameron's fallout says, my father loves this car more than anything else. You know, like loves him more than he loves his own son. And, um, and yeah, so it, it, it becomes like it's a symbol of, you know, a lot like you said like upper middle class white uh inter-family struggles right especially mm-hmm. between father and son mm-hmm. so yeah jim. and it's so cool so cool jim yeah um i i'm agreeing with everyone ecto one should move forward but cameron's car cameron's dad's car is so cool and yeah. derek yeah, I'm with the Ecto One, and you know, Eric, you slipped just a moment ago, and you called it a Cadillac. I called it a Cadillac. I, I slipped it's a the previous argument and called it a Porsche. Yeah. I couldn't even remember that it was a Ferrari. I just remember that it was red and it existed, and I remember the like hijinks around it. I just, you know, the, the Ecto One should move forward, and we'll talk a while about why later. Well, and also in the '80s, Barbie had a red Ferrari, which was maybe this, but also I did we didn't did this not make the bracket the Jake Ryan's 
car make the bracket but that was one we should have talked about yeah so you know so i don't know what barbie's car was inspired by i didn't see ferris bueller when it came out i was too little but i definitely saw it a lot after that and i still really love it um but that like red sports car became kind of a cultural thing so that, who knows? Maybe that was part of the impetus, or maybe it was just a um, butterfly effect. I uh, preferred what was in Jake Ryan's car versus the car itself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I'm sorry, I dozed off there. I was just I was thinking about Jake Ryan. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to advance the Ecto One to round three. Finally, in round two, it's ladies' fight as we are split between two seed Priscilla from The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and three seed The Pussy Wagon from Kill Bill Volume One. Carissa, explain why we should grab that wagon by the pussy derek answer me is the bus still running and i'm gonna have derek go first i hereby christen this budget barbie camper priscilla queen of this matchup uh, just as my argument for the cadillac convertible from tu wong fu priscilla is the og drag queen mobile transporting our wayward sydney queers through the australian bush and outback to a performing gig in alice springs this is another one of those iconic vehicles which played an outsized role in the film it's servicing um it is very much the fourth lead character in the story and it moves along the plot and you know getting our queens into all sorts of situations both comical and terrifying um and it came out in 1994 it lent its name to a huge leap forward for queer cinema, testing the waters for basically a deluge of other brave LGBT films that were made, um, you know, in the decades that followed. So it, it like it was a trailblazer in that way. And again, it's one of those um, it's one of those things that's inextricable from the film itself. Like it needs to be there. It couldn't be anything else. Um, I mean, yes. Could they have? Could they have picked up whatever the Australian version of a Toyota Corolla is? Sure, but they didn't. You know, um, he spent ten thousand dollars and bought that 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 bus from from some Swedish uh, exchange students or whatever that they were, and it, the rest is history in that movie. And it's you know people sitting in a giant shoe, lip syncing yes. opera, yes. with unbelievably long trains of silver lame flowing behind them as they drive through the outback. Um, but that being said, uh, I was going to say that being said, Priscilla, that being said, Chris, Carissa, <laughs> talk to us about the pussy wagon. I mean, that is a lovely image that you conjure. Let me conjure another one of a yellow truck with red flames painted on the front a spoiler on the back grate, which makes no sense no at sense. all. <clears throat> and in big pink, like 70s bubble letters all across the, the tailgate, pussy wagon. <laughs> like, and with a, a vanity license plate of PSY WGN. So, <laughs> uh, and Eric, I think it was Eric in earlier spoke about, um, kind of the, uh, how this, how this vehicle comes to be in the film. Um, but I think what's really important about it is that after the bride wakes up and has her revenge and is, is like escaping, um, 
her legs aren't working. She's in a wheelchair and she steals the keys from the orderly who has been raping her. And the only way that she knows which car is his is because he has a giant keychain on there that says pussy wagon. And when she gets out into the parking ramp, she's like, oh God, <laughs> she sees the truck and knows, yep, okay, this is where I'm going. Um, so it's kind of hilarious in that it's kind of like a vehicle, not the vehicle per se, but the person is a person of oppression, right? This is a person who's doing women wrong, like very, very, very wrong. And, um, and the fact that she ends up driving this vehicle, she ends up sitting in the back seat, or she's probably in the front seat when she, um, forces herself to start moving again, you know, wiggle your big toe. Right. Um, so the fact that this is her vehicle for the, when she starts, um, her series of vengeance episodes and visits. Um, so yeah, the fact that the bride is able to take an instrument, uh, like a ridiculous instrument of somebody who's so terrible and use it to further her, um, vengeance agenda, uh, will always speak to me. So this gets my vote. I also just love the way that Uma Thurman, when she sees the car for the first time, or maybe it's the keychain, <laughs> and she says, pussy wagon. Like, like, I haven't seen that movie in like 20 years, and I can still see her mouth like struggling to say those words, to spit them out. It's, it's terrific. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, Bob, where are you on this one? This bracket wants to kill me, clearly. <laughs> we pick between these two. But I made an argument in round one with regards to the pussy wagging being a symbol of empowerment for women, and I want to stick with that. And I, I just think the pussy I love Priscilla. I love that I love the the van, or excuse me, the the bus. <clears throat> um it's the name of the whole movie is named for the bus, right? Um but I, I don't necessarily need the bus except for the shoe on top of it um i don't need the bus to enjoy the film um i guess i don't need the pussy wagon either to enjoy the film but i just find the pussy wagon more fun um and you get to say pussy wagon yeah. <laughs> and the that the line in the um television version is my name is buck and i'm here to party <laughs> which <laughs> so does not rhyme with buck unlike the tarantino version <laughs> so uh jim where are you on this one um, I don't, I, I really don't know. I have uh, low stakes for either one of these personally. Um, but I think the argument uh, of the, well, all right, the empowerment argument is going to win me over, I think, for uh, for the pussy wagon. So I think I'll go with that one. So I would have voted for Priscilla here. And I, I hear all of the arguments being made for, for pussy wagon, and I, and I love it. And, I, and I, I'm so glad that it's on this bracket. Um, but it's not, I, I don't think it is an integral part of the movie. Like, the point of Priscilla is this cross-country adventure and, like, these queens kind of discovering themselves, uh, encountering people who are outside of their worldview. Like, without Priscilla as that vector, it doesn't happen. Um, it's also a fabulous vector, and it provides these incredible shots of – Again, that train through the Australian outback just flowing like for yards and yards and yards. It's spectacular. Um, I just think the pussy wagon is a one plot point and not uh, as integrals to the plot. But that's that's me 
ultimately it's three votes for pussy wagon two votes for priscilla um so it will the pussy wagon advances and that is it for round two we're gonna go take a quick break and travel back in time where we will be sexually harassed by our horny teenage parents we'll be right back after these messages hey you yeah you thanks so much for listening to the great pop culture debate we sincerely hope you're getting a kick out of our content we love making it for you if you love it too please consider becoming one of our patreons the funds we receive from our patrons help us to continue making top-notch content like the amazing episode you're enjoying with donation levels for every pocketbook size you could support us for as little as five dollars a month at that level, you unlock Patreon-exclusive content that includes warm-up sessions with a ton of hilarious content for Patreon ears only. That's basically a cup of coffee these days. So how about it? Buy us a cup of coffee, and we'll keep the debates rolling. Head over to www.patreon.com forward slash great pop culture debate and sign up today. And remember, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinion. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back for round three of our best pop culture car debate. During the break, we traveled the Australian Outback in a fabulous bright pink bus. You wouldn't believe what this one woman could do with ping pong balls. Now, before we get to round three, I want to ask my panel, how can people find you on social media? Bob? You can find me at DisNerdBob on Instagram and Twitter. Perf. And Derek? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at DRKMKT. And Jim? Well, currently you can find me in a van down by the river. But... <laughs> I live in a van, <laughs> van down by the river. Uh, but on Twitter, you can also find me at JCZAD. Perf. And Carissa? Um, you can find me on Twitter sometimes and Instagram a little more often at Carissa Kloss. And you can find me at Eric Resniak on Twitter and Instagram. That's E-R-I-C-R-E-Z as in zebra, S as in snake, N as in Nancy, Y-A-K. Or just message the at Great Pop Culture Debate account on Insta or at Culture underscore Debate on Twitter. We have also, uh, God help us, added TikTok, so follow at Great Pop Culture Debate on there for our hot takes on music, TV, film, and more. Now, let's move into round three uh, before we're chased down by a giant state puffed marshmallow man. Our Elite Eight, it's Mystery Machine versus the Queen Family Truckster from National Lampoons, Herbie the Love Bug versus the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, Doc Brown's DeLorean versus the Magic School Bus, Ecto-1 versus Pussy Wagon. I think it's actually a really great Elite Eight. Um, it is. There are some big iconic ones missing that got knocked out, and I'm sure people are going to be feeling all kinds of ways about that. But let's dive in here. The Mystery Machine from Scooby-Doo versus the Queen Family Truckster. Is anyone voting for the Queen Family Truckster here? Anyone? No. Nope. Carissa? No. Nope. Alas, no. Jim? Nope. Bob? Nope. Derek? Uh-uh. So 
once again, the mystery machine, which has yet to be discussed, is moving on to the final four. <laughs> Herbie the Love Bug versus the Oscar Wire Meyer Wiener Mobile. I'm going to start at the top of the order. Bob, where are you on this? Uh, Herbie the Love Bug. Derek. Uh, I think the Wiener Mobile has gone far enough. I am going to vote for Herbie. Jim. Um, I agree, but I have a few uh, a few details about the Wienermobile. Did you know that the person driving it is called the Hot Dogger? Oh, <laughs> not know that. Really? And in 2018, 7,000 people applied to be Hot Doggers, wow. and they only pick 12 <gasps> each year. There's two per vehicle. These are elite athletes. It's like <laughs> yes. the astronauts of cars shaped like hot dogs. See, mm-hmm. I would prefer him, the, the, the driver, to be called Dr. Frankenfurter. <laughs> yes. 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 If they did actually have, have a repertory country, company that did um, shows of Rocky Horror at night after they stopped driving for <laughs> oh the day, God. that's how you make money. This that's is the crossover we need. Yes. Yes. Oscar Meyer Corporation, get on this. Exactly. If they change that like rap over banner to a corset, it. <laughs> Love it. I'm sorry, did, did you have other amazing factoids? Well, I, I guess we could leave it for the listeners to look up. Um, in 2020, the uh, a Wisconsin a sheriff uh, pulled over Wienermobile and it went kind of viral on social media with people posting things like, thanks for helping us catch up on these laws. I really relish these kinds of posts. (laughs) I'm groaning. Yes. Yes. There's plenty more, you know, don't drive like a hot dog. Oh. You know, that is some Midwestern humor right there. Well, that's it really good stuff. Is. It really is. Yeah. So, this is the Heartland. This is our audience. <laughs> uh, so, did but, you decide that you were going to pass on I the Wienermobile? As I said before, Herbie did the final four. Okay. Uh, Bob? I, I said Herbie. Oh, I'm sorry. So, uh, has everybody voted for Herbie besides, did you vote, Derek? I did. Did Chris vote? <laughs> no, I'm going with the Wienermobile You're going because to I don't have a Herbie the Love Bug whistle, mm. but sure as hell had a Wienermobile whistle. And I just, yeah, I mean, the puns, mm. the the fact that it's not an anthropomorphized vehicle. So, like, you know, we, we're entering into sketchy moral territory at some point. Um, yeah, I'm with the, I, I, my sodium content is high. So... Yeah, I'm voting for the Wienermobile, too. Like, I understand that Herbie is, it's been around for decades. It's gone through multiple iterations. But I don't know. The Oscar Mayer Wienermobile is timeless. And so I vote for that, but it doesn't matter because it's 3 to 2 right now. So Herbie does advance to the final four. You did it, Jim. You you succeeded. <laughs> you did it, Jim. <laughs> Next, it's Doc Brown's DeLorean from Back to the Future versus the Magic School Bus. Let's go backwards order, Carissa. Uh, I'm with the DeLorean here. All right, Jim. I am also with the DeLorean, although I think the Magic School Bus is... Um, definitely a, has a special place in many people's hearts. Derek. 1.21 gigawatts straight to my heart. <laughs> Bob. Straight to the final four. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm also going to vote for the DeLorean, but I did want to share a meme I saw that um, lives on my mind rent free, which is that the Magic School Bus could be inside your butt right now, and you would have no idea. <laughs> and so <laughs> when you're just randomly thinking, you know, eating a thing of yogurt or whatever, playing Pokemon Go, like, is the Magic School Bus inside of me 
right now educating children on i don't know uh high bad fats like <laughs> what is it called high cholesterol probably yeah so probably. there you go but doc brown's delorean advances final in the elite eight it is act one act one ecto one from ghostbusters versus the pussy wagon from kill bill uh let's start in the middle with jim ecto one for me derek oh it's got to be ecto one carissa ecto one bob the pussy wagon died on me. <laughs> yeah, pussy wagon went as far as she could go, um, but it is the Echo one for the win, which gives us a final four of the Mystery Machine versus Hervey the Love Bug, Doc Brown's DeLorean versus Ecto one. Before we get into those final four matchups, we're going to take one more quick break before we race the Scorpions for pink slips. We'll be right back after these messages. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back with the final four of the best pop culture car debate. It's Mystery Machine from Scooby-Doo versus Herbie the Love Bug, Doc Brown's DeLorean versus the Ecto-1. I always like to take a step back and think, is this the final four I thought we'd come up with? And let me say, uh, I had no goddamn idea what was going to happen in this one because it's just random. It's wacky. Um, But it was pointed out while we were on the break that we have nothing past the 1980s in this final four, which I think is very reflexive of our podcast demographic. Um, but also I'm just wondering if cars are as interesting now. Uh, someone mentioned Fast and the Furious. Are those cars interesting or are they just cool? Yeah, but I don't think you could have like one single car that jumps out at you. Yeah. In a, in if you put a computer car. in one of them, I bet you they'd be really cool. <laughs> yes, Bob. Especially if it was Mr. Feeny. <laughs> or if they turned into a man. That's what I'm saying, but they don't do that. So uh, let's get into this mystery machine from Scooby-Doo versus Herbie, the love bug. We have yet to discuss actually three out of four of these. Mm -hmm. Um, Bob, where are you voting? I will have to pick the mystery machine. I love both of these vehicles. I love Herbie, the love bug, but I don't know as though Herbie, the love bug is as relevant as loved as, it continues to persevere to this day. I know there was a reboot of Herbie in the early 2000s with Lindsay Lohan, which we mentioned, but it was, I think, only a moderate success. Otherwise, they would have made more or maybe even a flop altogether. I, I didn't I, I didn't do the research on that one, unfortunately. Um, but the mystery machine is just super cool, including all of the people in it. And you can do pot in it. Not that I do pot, <laughs> but you can, you can stick your weed in there. Um, but I'm going to vote for the mystery machine because Scooby-Doo is, was cool in the 70s, was cool in the 80s, was cool in the 90s, in the aughts, in the teens. It's still cool today. They still make Scooby-Doo shit. They don't make Herbie the Love Bug, bug shit anymore. So I'm with the mystery machine. Yeah, I mean, Herbie is 2000 and late at this point. Um, All right, then Derek. Yes, I am with the mystery machine here. Jim. 
Oh, well, I think uh, you may be right, Furby. Furby's time may be over. I don't know, though. I, I'm I, I'm going to go with Herbie just because. I'm going to save Herbie to the end. Uh, uh, God bless you. Ride or die. Ride or die. <laughs> Ride or die. I'm, I'm pushing for that Herbie re- reboot. Yeah. Uh, Carissa. I'm with the mystery machine. Mystery machine for me as well. So I appreciate you sticking to your. Gu- oh, well, come on. It's, it doesn't seem guns don't seem appropriate for Herbie. <laughs> for Herbie, no. Your shocks and struts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Doc Brown's DeLorean versus the Ecto 1. We're going reverse with Carissa. Oh, this is so hard because we haven't really talked about either of these cars, right? And these are both like iconic like uh to both of these movies or franchises like these are the vehicles right um 80s childhood you know this is also that i also used to live in salem massachusetts and every year i would get my photo taken next to ecto-1 and also next to the delorean because someone showed up to halloween with one or the other both like the ecto-1 was always in the parade with like the guys you know with the silly string so like these are both like highly sentimental highly iconic vehicles for a lot of fundamental things for 80s kids um so i don't uh, i'm in a Go with Ecto-1, but it is a soft vote. Interesting. Uh, Jim? I also am tortured by these choices. They're both um, important for the film, have life outside of the film. They're both kind of jokes in some way. Like mm-hmm. you've got a, a the the Ecto one's kind of you know beat up, but it sets the tone with the the alarm the the, uh, the siren and everything, and the fact that it's a DeLorean, why not do it in style? Um, the oh boy, I think I'm gonna cop out and do like what had more toys and merchandising and all of that, and I think that's the Ecto one. Interesting. I I will interrupt here and say that I don't think the Ecto one is as critical to Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Like the movie Ghostbusters could exist without the Ecto One, yeah. but the future franchise the could not exist without the DeLorean. It's the but Ecto One is the only arguable uh, work vehicle. I guess you could say maybe the Mystery Machine, but that doesn't seem that's not like for the job. That's just kind of like their van. Um, Ecto One is is the only work vehicle. It is also a um just so you know it is a 1959 cadillac miller meteor sentinel limo style and loader combination car with the ambulance conversion and so they do cool stuff with the gurney and they like they soup it up kind of like like a batmobile like an inspector gadget kind of car um so i think it, it maybe isn't as necessary, but because it is branded with their logo, it is intensely recognizable. Sure. I no, think, it, I, I think sorry, it is necessary, too, because it sets uh, sets up like what a Ghostbuster is. It's a mixture of like this this ambulance siren, but also they're like exterminators. It's extended kind of like a hearse. It, it has all these pieces that really help the viewer like pull into this idea and kind of um advertise their services to some extent 
sure. And it's scrappy. It's a, the vehicle is 25 years old when they get it for the movie and they really have mm. to fix it up. And then like, and their yeah, their offices are an old fire station and you know, it, it, it is very on brand with everything that they're doing in this film. I am, I'm, and I'm going to get to Bob and Derek's votes, I promise, but I'm, I'm, I'm now voting aggressive. I'm saying I'm voting for the DeLorean. I'm aggressively arguing for it now. Um, not only is Doc Brown's DeLorean cool and iconic, the DeLorean itself is cool and iconic. So like the car, the DeLorean, like when that came out with the doors that open up as opposed to out as a base model is a far cooler car than the ambulance thing that you were talking about with Ecto one, <laughs> the the like the old refrigerator that had like the thing on the top version of a car, um, but then you put a nuclear reactor that is also a time machine into the car, like you have actual Iranian terrorists chasing you down because your car is so cool. That's amazing, um, Derek. Where are you on this? I think that. These both are on a level playing field as far as like icon status, um, but my heart will always go with the DeLorean. Bob, I agree with what Derek just said, and I agree with everything we've said. And I think you can say the same things about both of these. And I think there's something to be said for the fact that all of us in this round have felt the need to stop and really speak on both of these cars and determine how difficult it is for us to choose between them. Very rarely, well, maybe not so rarely, but it happens every so often that one side of the bracket ends up with what could potentially be a final two, Mm -hmm. um, which I think, in my opinion, is what we might have here is like these really could have been a final two in a debate. I think we are saying that they're on even playing field from an icon status. But I think the DeLorean edges out for me because it is so integral to Back to the Future that plot points, things that happen in the movie are a direct result of this vehicle, of this car. Biff takes it back to the back to the future, back to the past, gives the gives the uh, spoiler alert, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> gives, <laughs> 40 years gives, old. <laughs> gives the gives the almanac to his younger self, which then rewrites the future of history. Like the DeLorean very you can't have back to the future without that DeLorean, right? Without that iconic car. Um and it's just cool to look at whether it's souped up as the DeLorean that goes to the future and back or whether it's just the DeLorean in everyday life. And I'll do so, you one. Ba- oh, sorry. I'm go ahead. Re- no. So that's where I am. Yep. I was going to say I'm almost <clears throat> positive in, in the initial script for this movie or the pitch. The time machine was not a car. I believe it was a refrigerator. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so and that's why the refrigerator gets used as a gag in Indiana Jones 4 mm-hmm. to get, keep Indiana from getting exploded in the nuclear blast. But um <clears throat> the movie would not have worked if it was a refrigerator. It Correct. would have been lame. Laughed at. Right. The also Eric Stoltz, but the car, <laughs> the car worked because it was so cool. You have like that amazing moment of where it like hits the 88 miles per hour and you've got fire skids. You have the excitement of like the car racing down the street with the lightning coming down. Like it all works. You can't do the movie without the car. Act one is great. And I really hope people don't think I'm coming at it. I'm not. Um, I just, I think the DeLorean is more critical to the story and that is one of my major rubrics. So, well, and I will add this as well. When Universal Studios in Florida first opened, 
they actually had a Back to the Future ride, and it was a motion simulator ride that you could actually ride in a DeLorean. They also had a, I guess it was more like a stage show-ish kind of uh, attraction for um, the Ghostbusters, but it did not prominently feature the car. Mm-hmm. You know? And did Gia Gunn say of the Ecto-1, what is an Ecto-1? No. She said, but she would have. What is a DeLorean? What is a DeLorean? What's yeah. A, yeah. All right. So that means if you have a final two of the Mystery Machine versus Doc Brown's DeLorean, I'm going to start with Bob. Uh, I think I'm choosing the DeLorean. Okay. Uh, Derek. I am still with the DeLorean here. Jim. You made wonderful arguments about the DeLorean, and my vote is for that. Was it the Gia Gunn argument specifically? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Jim, Jim's uh, in his van furiously. Did you, just, did you just say absolutely, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> Who is Gia Gunn? Um, and Car- the, the door she's opened. Carissa. <laughs> um, this is hard because I do think the mystery machine is a vehicle that is very cool in animated form as well as in actual form Mm -hmm. because it's one of those that has sort of crossed um, representational boundaries. And I always growing up thought that like a VW bus would be like the coolest vehicle to have. Um, I don't agree with that anymore. Uh, But I think I'm going to go with the DeLorean for how integral it is to the things that it's a part of. Whereas I feel like the mystery machine is iconic in its looks and as a vehicle, but it, it isn't integral beyond, you know, transporting our, our faves around. And it it pains me to do this because I was literally a card carrying member of the Scooby-Doo fan club back in the 1980s and WSTM. But I'm also voting for the DeLorean, which makes it a clean sweep. There you have it. Our pick for the best pop culture car is Doc Brown's DeLorean from Back to the Future. Do you agree? Do you think we have to have our flux capacitors checked? Tell us how you really feel by leaving a comment on this episode at greatpopculturedebate.com or find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. While you're there, make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast so you can hear about what new debates are coming soon, vote in open polls, and even decide which topics we tackle next. I want to say thank you to my panel. You are always more than meets the eye. And thank you for listening. If you loved what you heard, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where you can get even more exclusive content and get episodes a whole day early. We hope you have a good one. And remember, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinion. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. 
I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.